0: I'm going to go so now we're moving on to the second part tonight's this next segment the outer darkness and this is in the book i released um the hidden wilderness i can't even remember the title of my own work uh, the hidden wilderness i think i need more coffee the outer darkness nearly every theologian on the planet that is not a freudian slip well, disagree with me regarding the whereabouts of the outer darkness, and know that wasn't a glitch. The, the spinning, wobbling globe which so many people hug to their bosom like comfort food or a nightlight is that location, according to my best estimate. We're living in it. Oh, I'm very willing to be wrong. I mean, who wants to live in the outer darkness, right? It's not really something that I could know for certain. All I'm doing is putting the puzzle pieces together on flat earth topography, and the picture sure is coming together nicely, if I do say so myself. Only recently, I asked you to pull the ecliptic dial off the prog clock and lay it over the moon wrap. Now, I say only recently, it was like a chapter or two ago in the book, all right? So we're following chronologically here in the book, but just as a quick review, I I showed how uh, uh, the, the the moon, of course, Has a map on it that you know, the our realm, our our side of the realm, but what you would call the AE map is like maybe half of it of the greater realm, it's more like a third. Uh, But we might be the 33%, you know, 33 degree, right? We might be the 33%, uh, land of the uh, 33%, uh, you know, percent of the fallen angels. Um, and that I kind of think that that's the, the point of that magic number who they're actually worshiping, the 33%. Only a portion of our greater realm could be read at any one time. If you if you happen to lay it down upon its current coordinates, which is to say in league with the circuit of the sun and the moon, then the circle of our known world remained visible, whereas the greater realm was concealed by the crescents. Okay, so if again, if you could think about and you'll see illustrations on the following pages, but if you could think about the earth as a circle. And that the entire moon, the the map is on the moon, uh, then all of Realm would be like a circle within the circle. And the the parts of the map that is not within the circuit of the sun and the moon, it forms a crescent. All right. Hopefully you can all kind of envision that in your head. I don't know if you noticed, but the crescent moon just so happens to be one of the most common symbols in the game of heraldry. I even included included two coat of arms directly over the chapter heading the outer darkness just just to start us off on the right foot so refer to that again if you'd like to there are crescent moons on there as we can see here in a, a wikipedia article for symbols of islam it says the crescent is usually associated with is- islam and regarded as its symbol the crescent and star symbol became strongly associated with the ottoman empire in the 19th century by extension from the use in ottoman lands it became a symbol also for islam as a whole as well as representative of western orientalism now islam i I will confess islam is a big mystery to me big mystery um there's a lot more i would like to look into islam uh, the muslim faith the quran so on and so forth but it, it was interesting in the, the CIA uh, declassified doc from 1957 where they say in there how Islam has been lied to by Russia. That whole land was Tartaria and they've all, their very identities they've been lied to. So that's something to consider in all of this. Most people will turn immediately to Islam, likely in protest, thinking what I'm trying to advocate can't be quite right especially since the crescent moon is a cake topper decorating the domes of mosques across the Islamic world. And I've been to many places across the Islamic world, and I you know, can testify to this. Well, then the controllers of Islam have just as much right to play the controlled opposition game as the Pope of Rome and the controllers of the other prime religions. But there is something that you should know. Though it is true that the crescent is... Allied with Islam and regarded as its symbol, it is a recent association, thanks in part to the Ottoman Empire in the 19th century. That would be the 1800s. Only afterwards did it become a symbol of Islam as a whole. That little known nugget of information only took me a moment to look up. Wikipedia lays it out in one of its articles. We are not told about the mud flood reset, but they needn't have to. The lights went out on the world stage, and when they turned on again, the Muslims were cradling it, the the crescent moon, in their lap. Like I said, controlled opposition. Get used to it. The crescent is something that I think about often nowadays, especially considering it's on the flag of my present home state, South Carolina. It is indeed difficult going anywhere without the wind flapping you in the face with it. What most people don't realize is that the modern flag wasn't adopted until January 26, 1861. That would be the start of the American Civil War, which would line up with the formation of the Confederacy. It is during that assembly meeting when they added the Palmetto, because we are, of course, the Palmetto State. Not the Crescent Moon State or the Palmetto State. I'm not sure why they added the Palmetto, but if I had to guess, it was to give the federal government, as well as Lincoln's federal income tax, the finger. I will remind you that the present flag is the Confederate flag. Apparently, cancel culture hasn't caught on to that yet. They'll get there once you know, their education, they're a little slow in this kind of stuff. I probably shouldn't say that in the video because all it takes is one to hear it. Prior to that, the Crescent had already been a prominent feature, technically the flag's only feature, when South Carolina was a leading member of the 13 colonies. William Moultrie, we we had a fort named after Moultrie, is accredited with the design in 1776 he employed it during the defense of charleston the brits shot it down Uh, a sergeant william jasper raised it up to rally the troops and the rest is history why is liberty stitched into the crescent i know what liberty is but do you know what liberty is it just so happens to be scribbled precisely where the hidden wilderness resides and so what were the original flag makers attempting to convey with a message such as that? Considering all that we've learned, it's difficult not reading between the lines with something like that. Even among my own hidden wilderness crew, the mere idea that we are residing within the outer darkness will not always be easily accepted, because who wants that? I have been told that the prog clock proves us to be in the lit portion Whereas the real estate symbolized by the crescent is the dark, but that is not how the light of the moon works. Just looking up at the next waxing crescent, uh, just look up at it, why don't you? Or waning for that matter. It is not difficult to see what portions of the moon are lit. We're not residing in the lit portion. No, we're in the dark. Telling someone that they reside within the circle of the crescent coat of arms isn't necessarily a compliment. I totally understand that we have a sun to light up the skies some of the time, but that just plays right into the hand of the Shadowland allegory. Plato's cave and all that. Everything is but a shade of the true heavenly reality. This goes way back to the mystery religions. And, of course, Plato was just giving, getting his information from Egypt and, and Babylon and so on and so forth. This goes way back. They, from the very beginning, they, they would talk about how the sunlit land is actually the shadow land, right? It's, all, it's, it's not the, the, the true form. The, the moon giving forth her own light should be your first clue. She doesn't need the sun, despite what the Copernicans might claim. Likewise, every hidden wilderness reference that I can find insists the Blessed Land is somewhere on this earth, well beyond the sun's horizon, but that it is also illuminated from a source far brighter than anyone in the sunlit world could imagine. We know the light of the world and who that is, and that the darkness does not recognize it. But also, the fact that the self-giving light forms a crescent is easily explained, and I will if you'll let me. So we see here Genesis 1.16, And Elohim made two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night. He made also the stars. And then we see in Matthew 24.29, Immediately after the tribulation of those days shall the sun be darkened and the moon shall not give her light. And the stars shall fall from heaven and the powers of the heavens shall be shaken. But then I just realized something. I told you the moon gives forth her own light without backing up the claim. Somebody is bound to complain from the astronomy club. Say no more. I have included Moshe's account of creation as well as Yahusha's prophecy of a coming tribulation. And nowhere do I see a rock doubling as a reflector. Then again, show me an actual ball that does what the physics people claim. For most of you, this this discussion belongs in a Hebrew Cosmology 101 crash course and is all review. Hang in there. Do something constructive while you wait on my explanation to the globe huggers. Clean the house or go jogging or knit a sweater or something. You know who we're dealing with. Thank you, the management. I have heard many ball lovers claim Mashiach didn't have the time to educate people about cosmology, and so he simply agreed with Moshe so as not to argue. I actually hear, I read this a lot. It's pretty hilarious. Like people are actually claiming, oh yeah, yeah, Yehusha he knew better, but he just he he didn't want to uh, go and you know argue with their arrogance. Because there was a cross to be hung from, and there were already Greek philosophers to educate everyone on the subject. Hilarious. They seem to overlook the inconvenient fact that he is the word, which tells me that he actually dictated the two lights narrative to Moshe. But we are not allowed to connect those scripture verses in Sunday school. Now, this is the part that has me really excited right here. In optics... A caustic is a curve of concentrated light, defined as the envelope of light rays reflected by a curved surface. We all know about the rainbow after a rain shower. The rainbow forms its arch because of the solid dome in our sky, which it mimics, the firmament. A lesser known example, though, is what might be observed in a coffee cup. The experiment is referred to as the coffee cup caustic. You can all do this experiment yourself, one which we are well as I say here, one which we are all capable of, given a strong concentrated source, the provided light will reflect off the inside of the cup, forming a curved or crescent line. It works because, as Paul said in his vision. The Blessed Land is located in the furthest extremities of the Earth, where the firmament touches down with a place called Oceanus. The outer darkness is referred to on a few separate... Okay, so as you can see, what I'm saying here is that you can see there, there's an actual crescent that goes around the circle of the Earth that is just pure light. And you would have the... the the, the revolution or the circuit of the, the sun and the moon in the center portion there, that would be the the sunlit lands. What I'm calling, what I'm suggesting to you is actually the outer darkness. The outer darkness is referred to on a few separate occasions throughout the Bazaar of Yahu, and I intend to take you through them. Though here are the references if you would rather commit to a head in wilderness Bible study on your own. Matthew 8.12, 22.13, and 25.30. Well, here is the first mention. And I say unto you that many shall come from the east and west, and shall sit down with Abraham and Yitschak and Yaakov in the kingdom of heaven. But the children of the kingdom shall be cast out into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. That comes from Matthew 8, 11 through 12 The emphasis seems to be on the kingdom of heaven arriving in one location only to have the rebels removed to another. That other would be the outer darkness. But then something that I never noticed until it was pointed out to me the other day is that the children of the kingdom would be the ones removed from the premises. I mean... I had read that before and always took it to mean the Jews of Mashiach's generation, but now I'm not so sure. That may still be the case. I'm just wondering if the children of the kingdom are inferring the offspring of the millennial kingdom, which is us, by the way. So let me just read that quickly again. But the children of the kingdom... Shall be cast out into outer darkness. Maybe that will start ringing some bells with um, with us as we look into the orphan trains, the orphan population everywhere. You know, the cabbage patch kids, all that t- kind of stuff that we talked about. What went on uh, in the past? Are we the children of the kingdom that was cast out? It's a sobering thought. Uh, I can totally see a scenario where the hidden wilderness with Abraham, Yitshak, Yaakov, and all that is set apart is closed off from the world so as to separate from Satan's release. If ever there was an event which might cause me to weep and gnash my teeth, then that would most certainly be the one. Here's another uh, passage. And when, this one comes from Matthew twenty-two, eleven through 14. And when the king came in to see the guest, he saw there a man which had not on a wedding garment, and he said unto him friend how did you come in hither not having a wedding garment and he was speechless then said the king to the servants bind him hand and foot and take him away and cast them into outer darkness there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth for many are called but few are chosen the outer darkness has a second notable mention and it involves a wedding feast a man is found standing among the guests but without the proper attire when the king asks ask how he has arrived without a garment, the man is speechless. I am of the opinion that the wedding guests are dressed immortally with or in immortal attire with the Ruach Hakadesh, which, if I recall, was noted earlier when commenting upon Zosimus's visit. So if you're in this group tonight or listening on YouTube land or wherever, uh, that was a past video I did on the hidden wilderness. Uh, I think I called it... Um, like the hidden us in Satan or something like that, these would be the very people, uh, the very purple robes which Adam and Chua were vested in before, well, removing them. It would explain why the guest didn't have the faintest clue why he wasn't clothed in the like, and may not have even known until that awkward fact was pointed out to him that he was in fact naked of the Ruach Hakadosh. It's not like he'd forgotten to pick the choir robe up from the dry cleaners. And anyways, it seems pretty clear that the wedding is taking place in one precise location. It definitely, it's definitely not heaven, and I would have said the whole of the earth was the venue at one time. But then after everything we've gone through, forming a mental image shouldn't be too difficult. One man is being removed in this scenario, and not millions upon millions or even billions of them. He had entered a premises where he didn't belong. Even GotQuestions.org is pressed to admit that something is amiss in the hidden wilderness—not uh, the hidden wilderness, the outer darkness discussion. Nearly all theologians claim the outer darkness is a ref- as a reference to hell, but apparently that, that's not the case this time around with the internet Q&A people. Here is their direct quote: "Perhaps the place of judgment is pictured as dark." Because the absence of God's cheering presence. It then follows with several Bible memory verses. For once I find myself in agreement with them, with God questions. Usually I completely disagree with them. The outer darkness is a place of consciousness. It isn't Sheol, and it doesn't appear to be the abyss. Nor does it sound like the lake of fire. Sheol is, is dropped into the lake of fire in Revelation 2014 once and for all. Death itself is done away with. The destruction is irrevocable. It would be indeed strange for someone to be tossed into the lake of fire only to die and go to Sheol, but then be extinguished once and for all in the lake of fire. Nor have I ever seen a single reference to the lake of fire being a place of darkness. The God Questions crew is absolutely correct in suggesting a place of spirit Spiritual darkness, kind of like the world we inhabit today. And like I said, they include Bible verses. Let's look at them. Uh, This comes from Psalms 104, 29 through 30. You hide your face, they are troubled. You take away their breath, they die, and return to their dust. You send forth your ruach, they are created, and you renew the earth. Good verse. The hidden the hidden darkness is Quite possibly a, a place, or I should say the outer darkness, but also the hidden darkness. It's quite possibly a place where Yahuwah Elohim hides his face. And that that lines up with the idea of what I was putting forward with Zion, uh, the, the mountain of Zion, where I, I made the connection with Mount Sinai, and the the pillar, the cloud would come down, the pillar of fire, the cloud by night. And the same. Pillar was, if you recall, was complete darkness to Pharaoh and his army. And he came down to wipe them out in the Red Sea to corner them there. It was darkness for him. It was light for Israel, right? So you could have complete light on one side, complete darkness on the other. Uh, where was I? It may even be a state of mind. The reason I can say this is because of the passage which the, Q&A, the Bible Q&A people follow up with. This then is the message which we have heard of him and declare unto you that Elohim is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. Yochan and Rishon, that would be 1 John 1.5. A clear contrast to the hidden wilderness and the outer darkness is, is given in the stride of the individual. It is not not where he is walking so much, as in how he is walking. I've said it before, and I might as well do so again. People keep asking me for directions to the hidden wilderness. Read First Yocanon, then. He's already given the coordinates. The problem is that very few people like the answer. We either live in accordance with the light now, or we lie to others as well as ourselves and thinking we will ever rise above this present darkness." And then we see in your and first uh, 1 John 2, 11, one chapter over, "...but he that hates his brother is in darkness, and walks in darkness, and knows not whether he goes, because that darkness has blinded his eyes." The problem with life in the outer darkness, if this is indeed the outer darkness, and I'm growing more convinced that it is by the moment, Is getting people to recognize the street signs. The illiteracy is by design. A spiritually blind person is someone who has been excused from Yahuwah's favor. He walks about thinking he's inhabiting a spinning, wobbling globe, hurtling at hundreds or thousands of miles per hour through a vacuum of infinite space, because the truth of our cosmology as well as the greater realm has been removed from him so that even the simplest observation regarding the flat horizon goes in one ear and out the other. The wool has been pulled over nearly everyone's eyes. It had to be that way, though. Yahuwah employs the use of darkness to conceal His holiness from those who'd rather not take part in His set-apart ways. It is a state of mind, but it is also a place. That is made abundantly clear in the closing chapter of the Bible. So Revelation 22, 23 through 27, and then we'll see twenty two fifteen. 15. And the city had no need of the sun, neither of the moon. We saw that, why, that the, the uh, coffee cup. And, you know, and maybe, maybe New Jerusalem will touch down in the center of the earth. I don't really know. Um, I have showed you that there is perhaps an to, argument to be made that New Jerusalem has already touched down and that it's on the earth And uh, it's not in the center. It's along the crescent. In the land of uh, independence or, or liberty, I should say. The land of liberty. True liberty. Let me start this again. And the city had no need of the sun, neither of the moon, to shine in it. For the glory of Elohim did lighten it. And the Lamb is the light there. And the nations of them which are saved shall walk in the light of it. And the kings of the earth do bring their glory and honor into it. And the gates of it shall not be shut at all by day, for there shall be no night there. And they shall bring the glory and honor of the nations into it. And there shall in no wise enter into it anything that defiles, neither whatsoever works abomination nor makes a lie. But they which are written in the lambs suffer of life. And then jump over to verse 15. Blessed are they that do his commandments. Well, there it is that they may have right to the tree of life and may enter in through the gates into that city. So who has a right to the tree of life? Those who believe that Jesus historically existed? Mm-hmm. Wrong answer. The people who do his commandments. It couldn't be any more clear. For without our dogs and sorcerers and whoremongers and murderers and idolaters, and whosoever loves and makes a lie. Not just those who make a lie, but those who love a lie. Light that pipe and smoke on it for a while. <laughs> whosoever loves a lie. We know a lot of people out there like that. The context of both of these verses is in NY. That's not New York. I'm not referring to New York. I'm referring to New Yerushalayim. Nothing impure nor abominable can enter the city, and we have already seen those who lie in 1st Yochanan. They are walking about in the darkness, completely clueless to the light. The other thing which Yochanan mentions are the sorcerers, murderers, idolaters, whores, something about dogs, those are unclean animals, and there are the liars again. The liar, liar, pants on fire part once again reminds us that they may be self-illuminated, but they, are still wa- they, but they are still wandering around, slapping for a light switch in the dark. I'm getting the impression that they're still living. Are you getting the impression? Because I am. These aren't dead souls in Sheol. I have long felt this way. It, it's just It wasn't until rather recently when I set out to uncover the outer darkness and I realized what is happening here. The sinners aren't just sitting around in a ditch upset at the fact that nobody is sending them an invite. No, it's not like that at all. After everything we've been through, I shouldn't even have to explain this to you. They haven't the faintest clue.